We are in Acts 24. We took a break last week. We talked about the Holy Spirit. But now we are back. We got our act together. <laughs> and uh, so the next 24, 25, and 26 are all very similar. And I know I like to go really slow and I talk a lot about reading the Bible slow and taking it verse by verse and looking at every verse, but we're not going to do that today. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to kind of fly because every word is God breathed and useful for instruction and building up and correction. But Acts 24, 25 and 26 are kind of repetitive. And it's kind of the same thing that happens over and over again. So we're going to kind of like do a little rock and skip along to just hit on the things that don't repeat so much or to let you know what does repeat. So Paul got arrested. He was in the temple. A riot started. The Roman guards basically rescued him. They said, let's whip this guy. They said, no, give him. He said in Greek, can I speak to the crowd? He said, yes. They put him back out there. He speaks to the crowd in Hebrew. So he can speak fluent Hebrew. He can speak fluent Greek. He's a Roman citizen, but he's a super hardcore Jew. He can talk in both of those worlds. He talks to the crowd. He says the word Gentile. They all go berserk. They start ripping their clothes and throwing dust in the air. The Romans pull him back in. They're like, dude, you're crazy. That's when they say, let's whip this guy to figure out what he's causing so much trouble. He says, you can't whip a Roman citizen. They're like, whoa, you're a Roman citizen. We got to take you to the Romans. They take him to a Roman court. Roman court number one. He talks there. There's a conspiracy to have him killed. So they take him to Roman court number two. This is Felix in Caesarea. This is where... Uh, Chapter 24 begins. So he goes to Caesarea. Paul's taken there by 200 horses and 70 guys with spears and basically a whole army to protect him from some Jewish ninjas that have made a covenant to kill him by dawn and all this business, right? So he goes to Felix, but they don't have anybody there to accuse him. They don't have a case. They don't have a plaintiff. They just have a defendant. And so they say, let's wait until somebody comes to accuse him, and then we'll have a trial. Then we'll have court. Five days later, the high priest, whoa, so not just the Jewish delegation, but the high priest himself traveled from Jerusalem to Caesarea, comes with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They lay before the governor their case against Paul when he had been summoned. Tertullus began to accuse him. So they, they basically hired a lawyer. That's what Tertullus is. He wasn't a part of this. He's got a Roman name. We're not even sure if he's Jewish. There's one part in Tertullus's speech where he refers to the Jews. But there's another part where he refers to we. So he says, we came to bring this trial. So it's unclear if he's part of the Jews or if he's just a hired gun to speak. So he gives his speech. Speech. And it is absolute garbage, you guys. It's basically 
oh man, this guy is so bad, you should ask him how bad he is. I mean, of course he's bad, otherwise we wouldn't have arrested him. And they aren't even the ones that arrested him. The Romans arrested him to rescue him from them. And so Paul comes out and he's like, okay, you know this windbag is full of garbage. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say anything accusing them. It's pretty awesome. Paul gives this defense and it's really honorable and he says a lot of, a lot of great things. And it's just enough to make Felix curious about who this Paul guy is. You can skip all the way down to uh, 2414. This I confess to you. According to the way, which they call a sect. So he's saying the Jewish people call my way just another part of what they do. I worship God, the God of our fathers. I believe everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. And so what Paul is doing is he's saying, okay, the real issue, the real trial here is a religious disagreement. And you, O Roman governor of great power, don't even care about our religion anyway. This is all bogus. Why are we, I shouldn't even be on trial here. These guys don't even have a case. Because what they're arguing about is a religious thing. Okay? So Felix knows some things about the way. He knows some things about these stories of Jesus and this, this split off of Judaism. And so he's a little bit curious, but he understands that this is not a civil uh, government case. This, this is not this. But he's corrupt and he wants money and he wants the Jews to like him politically. <laughs> so he keeps Paul around. And he hopes that Paul will give him a bribe to let him out. He hopes the Jews will all like him and not start riots and not start fights because he keeps Paul in jail. And so Paul stays in jail for two years. <laughs> yes. So Felix keeps Paul locked up for two years. So just to put this in perspective, do you guys remember 2020? 2020 was like a long time ago. It, January of 2020, nobody knew what COVID was. It was something that was in the news. Imagine if before COVID, you got locked up and now you were still locked up. That is a long time, right? So Paul is locked up, but he is locked up in such a way that he can have as many visitors as he wants and everybody can take care of him. There was one guy in history that was arrested by the Romans like this and he was in jail like this for 14 years so Paul is locked up he can't go anywhere he's kind of like house arrest but he really is in a jail in a prison but anybody can bring him anything they want anybody can come talk to him it's kind of fun so he says look I'm going to take him He uh, Felix brings his wife who's Jewish to hear Paul speak. So now all of a sudden, Paul is kind of like their in-house TED Talk entertainment philosopher. And they ask Paul to come talk regularly and he talks to them and he gives speeches and other people in the court are going to hear him give speeches. Some people think that it's during this time that Luke 
was one of the people that would bring Paul his food every day. And so Luke is now writing down the gospel of Luke and he's now writing down the whole book of Acts because what else is Paul going to do but sit there and let people come visit him and teach, right? So that's kind of wild if, if the whole book of Acts was written in this, this two-year time, which could be. So skip all the way down. Felix was a terrible guy. He hated the Jewish people, even though his wife was Jewish. And he treated them poorly. There were a bunch of riots. There were a bunch of uprisings against him. And he was pretty brutal in dealing with them to the point that the Jewish leaders protested to Rome that Felix was a terrible ruler and wasn't treating them very well. So Felix got fired and he got shipped off to some other place. He didn't get killed, but he got a, a worse job somewhere else. And this new guy comes in. This is chapter 25, Festus. Now Festus takes over. And he knows that the Jewish people hate this guy, Paul, and that Paul got left in prison by Felix. Like Felix, it was customary, just like presidents do, you know, to write all these pardon letters, write all these things on their last day in office. Felix could have released Paul on his last day, but he didn't. He left him in there. And so Festus is around. He's the governor for three days. It only took three days. And Festus is like, who is this guy, Paul? And he goes to Jerusalem and he asks. So how do you think that's going to go? <laughs> he goes to Jerusalem and he's like, hey, you guys, you're all the Jewish leaders. We got this Jewish guy locked up. And I think some of you locked him up. I'm just going by hearsay here. What did he do wrong? And there, I mean, 40 of them have starved to death by now, right? They may, or they broke their oath, which could also be. Oh, they all get mad and they want to do the whole thing over again. Bring him down here on the road. We'll kill him while they're on the road and the highway. We'll do this. Festus is like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're going to have a trial. So they try to have a trial again and it's all bogus again. They bring Paul in and they're like, why are you arrested? Isn't that funny, just the way the system worked? Why are you arrested? What have you done? And he's basically, let's see, go down to 25.8. Paul argued in his defense. I have not broken any of the laws of the Jews. I have not broken a law of the temple. I have not broken any laws against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, do you want to go up to Jerusalem and be tried on these charges? And Paul He's had two years to sit on this, right? He says, I'm not in a Jewish court right now. I am in Caesar's court. Because he knows if they take him to Jerusalem, that's just going to be another stupid thing, right? But Jesus told Paul, don't be afraid. You're going to testify in Rome. And so Paul says to Festus, this isn't a Jewish court. This is a Roman court. So if I'm going to be in a Roman court, I appeal to Caesar. And with that phrase, that was a legal statement. That was like filing a case with the Supreme Court. That is, this is no longer going to be handled on a local level. You just appealed to the Supreme Court and we are taking you all the way to Rome. There's a problem, though. 
Festus, if he wants to send Paul to Caesar, he has to have something to say why he's sending him to Caesar, right? You're not going to waste Caesar's time. Caesar is like the overlord, president, king of the world, right? Uh, They would tell stories after the Caesars would die that there would be like a supernova in the sky or a shooting star, and they would be like, oh, that's him taking over the heavens because he was the son of God. And they would, that's how highly they thought. So you don't send somebody to Caesar to say, hey, this guy appealed for this case that's bogus and you figure it out. Caesar's going to be like, no, you're dead and I'm not going to figure it out. You're all dead. Okay, let's move on. Where's my fiddle? Like, on to business. So King Agrippa comes and visits. King Agrippa is the king under Roman authority of the whole Galilee region where Jesus grew up. And so Festus is like, dude, Agrippa, I got this prisoner that was left here by Felix. He's got all the Jews all upset. Like they're all in an uproar. They want to kill him. It's nuts. But he's not even arrested for anything. You want to hear him talk? And Agrippa's like, yeah, I want to see this guy. Somehow he has heard some of this stuff about the way. So this is probably about 60 AD. So let's just think about what what we've covered in Acts in 25 chapters. In Acts 1, Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem until power comes upon you. And when power comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was in chapter 1. And from chapter 1 to chapter 25, the Holy Spirit has moved in people to go out all over so much of the world that there, here's a random king that has heard about it. There are people in Asia, which Paul's going to mention here in a minute, People all over Asia. Remember it said that Paul was in Ephesus for three years and all of Asia heard the gospel as they went to and from. The gospel has spread and Jesus's words in Acts chapter one have come true. That they've preached him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus also said in, I think it's in Matthew, that you will stand before kings and you will proclaim my name before kings. And according to the book of Acts, this is it. This is the first time an actual legit king is asking to hear. And so it is a huge party. It is a huge ceremony. It says that Festus and his wife dressed up in all of their regal robes. It says that King Agrippa and his wife came and they were in all of their pageantry. It was like it was like a royal wedding, like in England. It was like a coronation. It was like the inauguration of a president. I mean, they just had all kinds of, of, of ceremony and all of this business. And everybody comes and they're all seated. And out comes Paul, the prisoner. So he's probably not like the guy in rags with chains on his hands that's hanging from the wall in the dungeons in the movies, right? He's probably taken care of. He's probably getting fed. He's probably all right, but he is in chains. And he comes out and he's been introduced to King Agrippa by um, Festus. 
as this guy has appealed to Caesar, I don't have anything. Can you help me come up with a report? And so out they come, Acts 26. Agrippa says to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. We want to hear you. So that's just an honor thing. You would never speak to a king unless the king told you to speak first. It's funny that they put that in here because it kind of hints at this little bit that Agrippa wants to hear what Paul has to say. Paul's not speaking to people that don't want to listen to him. Now, Paul knows this is going to happen. He knows he's going to have to give these speeches. He doesn't know who he's giving the speeches to. We don't know that he had any notice about this, but this is his his speech. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So he's appealing to his knowledge. I know that you know about Jewish stuff. I'm not going to give the whole history of Moses because you know this, O king. My manner of life from the beginning. And he starts to give the history again. This is the same speech he's been given, just a little bit of a tweak. And he's explaining that he is so Jewish. He is zealous for it. But... He is also showing what he came from. And he tells this story. I was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, which he could actually point to and say, there they are. So he's saying, I had authority from the chief priests. I was so aligned with them. I was so part of that. I punished the people that followed Jesus. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in all the synagogues, tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So if Agrippa is thinking, if anybody's thinking, I'm a worthless dirtbag, could Jesus really die for me? Could Jesus really save me? This is the presentation that Paul is giving. I was a dirtbag. I was a vicious, horrible man. I went to Damascus on the authority and commission of the chief priests. And Paul retells his salvation story of how Jesus appeared to him in the middle of the day. Okay, the cool, crazy thing about that. Nobody travels in the middle of the day in this place. It's too hot. In the middle of the day, you would go find some shelter, find a place, find a restaurant, find some place to sit. And you'd wait until the sun moved a little bit. Unless you were in a hurry and you just really wanted to get to where you were going because you wanted to kill those people and get them bad. So when Paul says he's traveling at midday, he's expressing, this is how zealous I was to fight people that follow Jesus. I heard a voice to me in Hebrew language saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to be disciplined, Paul. It's hard for you to learn the lesson that I have to teach you. That's what Jesus said to him. Those were Jesus' first words to Paul. So there's one way to read that that says, Paul, it's hard for you to learn your lesson, but I'm going to teach you a lesson, boy. 
I don't think that's how Jesus spoke to Paul. I think he said, Paul, dude, I'm trying to show you truth and you are just not getting it. It's going to be hard. But I'm going to show you the truth. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad was a little stick. If you were pushing a cart and whenever the goat, the, uh, the bull or the mule would kick backwards, you'd poke them with the stick so they wouldn't cook you. They'd kick the stick and it would kind of hurt a little bit. So eventually they'd quit kicking because, gosh, that hurts. And it trains him in the right way to go. He says, rise and stand. This is Jesus talking to Paul. Rise and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen and to those which will appear to you, delivering from your people and from the Gentiles that I'm sending to you to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. So remember how Paul started his argument. I'm in jail because of this religious thing. That was before Felix. Before Festus, it was, go get these guys and ask them why they're arresting me. I don't know. But now before King Agrippa, he's saying, I have been called by the Most High God to preach this good news. Which is going to make it even harder for King Agrippa to come up with something wrong, right? Because Paul's so convinced. But listen to the message he has. This is what Jesus told Paul. This is your message. To turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We've all grown up in southern Indiana, in the United States, where... Jesus forgiving your sins, Jesus died for your sins, is a very common thing for us to hear. I want you to think about King Agrippa for a minute. There was no concept of sins being forgiven in their day. Every sin had to be paid for. And even if you were Jewish, a sin had to be paid for by this dead sheep or this dead goat or this dead cow or this dead dove, if you were really poor. Your sin killed this dove. Your sin killed this cow. And now there's this proclamation that your sins have been taken away by this guy who already died, but he rose from the dead. And he's alive. He's not staying dead like that cow. He's not staying dead like that sheep. He has risen from the dead and your sins are paid for. It says in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, by one sacrifice, he has completely taken away all of our sins forever. Do you know, it's kind of wild. At no point is Jesus mentioned celebrating the day of atonement. The day of atonement happened. Jesus was a good Jewish kid. He did all the Jewish things. He had Passover, all that. The day of atonement, which is the day that all of their sins were atoned for for a year. It was the one night of the year that a Jewish person could go to bed and be like, none of my sin is on me. That's awesome. Oh, that's pride and idolatry. Shoot. <laughs> they have to wait till next year to not have any sin for 10 minutes. Jesus didn't ever celebrate that. Because he was the one sacrifice that would take away all sins forever. 
gone. And so just like the Day of Atonement, on the Day of Atonement, when the sins were covered over the Jewish people, were the Gentile sins covered on the Day of Atonement? No. The Day of Atonement was not for Gentiles. And in the same way, for those that don't recognize that Jesus died for their sins, His sacrifice is not for them. And they don't get covered. But for all who believe in Him, every sin covered, gone. That is what Paul is preaching. The guilt you have, King Agrippa. Okay, King, I'm not going to tell you what King Agrippa did because there's people under 40 in the room. But he is bad. He is a bad dude. He did a lot of bad things. And he's sitting there next to Festus, who was a really good guy for a Roman ruler. Um, he only lived like in power for like three years and then he was killed. But to tell these guys your sins can be forgiven is amazing. It is just, I can't admit, I can't even, I'll just let you use your own imagination. Think of the worst place you could go, the most heinous, awful people in the world. And if you went to them and told them their sins could be forgiven and that it was true and that you meant it. That's Paul talking to Agrippa and these people and all of their pageantry and whatnot. Every one of you, Released from the power of Satan to God, so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So he says to King Agrippa, I mean, tell me, King Agrippa, could I not obey that? If Jesus himself, the Nazarene risen from the dead, appears to me to tell me that, how can I not do it? And King Agrippa's answer, ah, you're crazy. That's what King Agrippa's statement is. He says, um, Festus said with a loud voice, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. That is just such a pot shot, right? If I'm convicted, if somebody says something that cuts to my soul and makes me feel like, gosh, I have done wrong. And I can say, well, you're just saying that because you're stupid. Now I feel better. They're crazy. I don't have to listen to what they say if they're crazy, right? This, this happens today. This happens right now. You watch it on TV, people shouting at each other instead of listening. Because what if the people we should be listening to are right? Paul says, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. It says that Festus shouted this in a loud voice. Festus is all of a sudden becoming a little bit irrational. And Paul is just cool as a cucumber. And he's like, I'm not out of my mind, dude. Who's out of our mind here? The king knows about these things. And to him, I speak boldly. For I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice. He's talking about the king who's sitting there. He says, I'm to explain these things to the king because I think the king knows what's going on. I think the king knows what's true. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know what you believe. Paul is now becoming very aggressive. He says, King Agrippa, you believe the prophets, right? You know what I'm saying is true. King Agrippa realizes what's going on. And he says, in such a short time, you think you could make me a Christian? (laughs) And Paul says, whether a short time or a long time, I wish, I wish to God that not only you, but everybody who hear me this day would become just like me, except for these chains. He's just being blunt. 
I just wish all of you would become Christians. I wish you'd all be Christians just like I am, just not in chains. He's not afraid to tell people, hey, your life would be better if you followed Jesus. It sounds like a scold, but if we can prove by our own lives that our lives are better because we follow Jesus, then that gives us a little bit of authority to tell other people, your life would be better if you follow Jesus. This messed up thing that you did, you weren't following Jesus, but he can forgive that sin. The king rose, the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with all of them. They all leave and they go. And this is a great phrase. They said to one another, Agrippa said to, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. If he had not said, I appeal to Caesar, we could let him go. And he could go do his thing. Was Paul's calling and mission and goal to be set free? It wasn't, was it? His mission and his goal is to preach the gospel in Rome. And so by any means necessary, Paul is going to get himself to Rome. Even if it means I appeal to Caesar. There is so much here for us because, gosh, I mean, I have a pretty easy life. I could pretty much get anything I want anytime I want, right? Um, and that's not even talking about the implications of what I can do if I have a credit card. It's just open. We've been trained in such a way to just go after what we want and to get what we want, and it's culturally acceptable. That's not the Jesus life. That Jesus' life is, Jesus wants to do something. Jesus wanted to do in Paul, I want to take you to all nations. I want you to tell people about light and darkness and free them from Satan. And Paul said, okay, I want to do that with all of my heart and soul. How do I do it? Aha, I can appeal to Caesar and that will get me before all these people continually. Yes. Is that a comfortable way? No way. Does he get to pick his dinners? No way. Does he get to buy whatever he wants, whatever he wants it? No way. Is he doing exactly what Jesus wanted him to do? Yes. And that is better. That is better than defending my rights. That is better than standing up for myself and desiring what I want and going after what I want. If at some point there's a thing, you guys, and, and I'm sure a ton of you have done these things and you got stories about them. When you make the choice, this is going to be an inconvenience to me, but this is what the Lord would have me do. When you do those things, it is always so much better than if you would just do what you wanted to do and not listen to the Lord. Right? It always turns out that way. Here's where we're going from here. We only have Acts 27 and 28 left. And it is action, action, action. And so we will. Yes, it's true. So over the, I don't know if we're going to be able to squeeze. We're not going to do it all in one week because there's too much that goes on. I don't know what the schedule is going to be, but Look back over the book of Acts. The, they, they've done all kinds of surveys and studies. 
And you guys, the number one thing that helps you grow as a Christian nationwide, all kinds of people, all kinds of denominations, all kinds of levels of faith. The number one thing that makes you grow in your faith is reading the Bible every day. So look over the whole book of Acts and look at where we have come since Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And look over everything that's happened because the last two chapters of Acts are going to be not very much teaching and a whole lot of action as the fulfillment of that command by Jesus that you're going to go and preach to all nations. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the boldness that you gave Paul to stand before kings and rulers and presidents and prime ministers and all of those people and to be absolutely fearless and to be confident. Thank you, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit into us to not seek our own best comforts, but to seek your glory and your kingdom. And that is what we want, Lord. That's what we want more than anything else. Show us your ways. We love you, Jesus. Amen.